So welcome to our eighth Set the Month in Motion monthly podcast and forum, produced in partnership with the City of Fremantle. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Janisha Quinlan and I'm the CEO of the Fremantle Chamber of Commerce. If you haven't joined us before, we have certainly covered some intriguing topics uh, this early in the morning on the first Wednesday of the month. From getting your product to international markets to how to create unique experiences relevant to your business and even how to navigate cash flow in a seasonal business or our tough economic times. And as always, you can catch up and listen to our monthly conversations on your favourite podcast station under our chamber channel, Set the Month in Motion. In last month's discussion, we discussed that wonderful quote by Elizabeth Arden, who famously said, I don't sell cosmetics, I sell hope. And ironically, this month I feel hope comes into play in a completely different context. Hope is probably how I would describe my own approach to social media over the years. Hope that someone likes the photo, hope that it cuts through that magic algorithm so someone actually sees it, and hope that 4,000 people don't say they're coming to an event and only two actually show up. So today, that's exactly what we're talking about. Social media, trends, tricks and tips to make the minefield work for your business and make it work for the business that you are actually in, whatever that may be. 2019 marks the 20th anniversary of the first internet blogs that started a global trend of sharing our daily thoughts, photos and interests. And since that time, we have navigated our way through the launch of LinkedIn in 2003, followed by Facebook, Pinterest, Quora, Instagram, and so many others have come and gone for a variety of reasons. Today, we're not here to talk about the social trends in social media. We're here to talk about the pointy end. The pointy end of how we cut through billions of users and an ever-increasing stream of content to be heard, and to be heard by who we really need to be heard by. We'll be chatting about how to develop a sound plan of action, what channels will take us to our customers, how to generate content that cuts through the noise and how we track and measure our performance. We have an extraordinary panel of experts today and I'm so pleased that each one of you can join us. I'll introduce our panel one by one and I'm going to start with Etna Healy, um, who is Marketing Manager for Kalis Jewels. Etna, beautiful store, sits on the corner of Collie and Mar Marine Terrace here in Fremantle and you've just opened another beautiful store in Rain Square. Prior to joining Kalis, it now has worked across WA media and marketing industry for the past eight years. She's worked media side at Seven West Media and consulting side at Bonfire. She's worked across a broad range of small, medium and large businesses, advising on both traditional and digital marketing strategies. Whilst I just can't wait to talk about the incredibly beautiful campaign that we're seeing um, just everywhere at the moment, it is so visually striking. I thought we'd take a step back and start at the beginning and given, I think, your experience both within the digital and mainstream marketing um, arenas, the thinking behind a sound action plan, in your opinion, where does social media fit within the overall marketing plan and what would you say is one of the most important digital marketing tools for a business? Thank you. Um, I would say for businesses, small, medium, large, one of the most important tools that you have is your website. Everything you do leads back to your website, traditional and, you know, social and just in general word of mouth. People, our customers today often know exactly what they want when they come into the store. So your website is essentially talking to that person at a time that suits them. So 
the way I look at a website is I would say it's your most important employee. It's the person or the employee that's talking to your customers and they're making assumptions on your b- business and your brand based on your website. It, that could be at 11 o'clock at night. That could be at, you know, early hours of the morning. It could be in the middle of the day. With that as well, I guess a few tips in terms of what's really important uh, with the website is that it's a mobile first website because even though we have computers, we have iPads, we have all of this technology around us often, and we're all probably guilty of it, we're looking at that website on the smallest screen that we possibly have, which is our iPhone or our Android phone. Um, on that particular website, I would encourage anyone to open up, look at their own website through an iPhone or through that actual device. Make sure it's easy for people to contact your business, um, that when you click on your contact information, that you can literally call straight from the phone. Often it's such an easy um, it's such an easy part of your website. It's just a little thing that could be overlooked quite quickly, um, but it's really important. So it's very important for people to be able to connect with you straight away, and that feeds into your social media and your traditional media as well. So I, I guess from that sort of action plan perspective, it's actually having a look at the fact that we're starting a conversation and how do people actually reach you and, and social media is one tool to lead them to you and the vehicle that they will come through, I guess, is your website. And I think you're absolutely right. We can set up an amazing array of information in digital and social media, but if it doesn't feed through to the experience that you're going to have on your website or feed through to that experience you're going to have in a store or the experience you're going to have when you visit that firm or use their services, there's such a disconnect. And I think it's a really good starting point to think about what gateways are our social media actually taking us through almost even before we, we start to engage on that. Um, the lovely Pim, what a dynamo, um, from DGPR. Pim completed her Bachelor of Commerce at Curtin University, majoring in Marketing and Public Relations. She's worked and interned with companies such as Boomtech Events, Motif Events, Suited Events, Urban List Perth, Perth is OK, Welcome to Perth, and is now part of the somewhat superhuman duo at David Gardner PR. She's been there for just over two years. When I was at the Fashion Festival, I used to say, if David and Pim aren't on your event, you might as well not be having one. <laughs> um, they managed to seamlessly integrate their stories, their lives and their clients' messages into one brand that you just want to be part of. And I know that's not an easy task, even though you make it look so seamless. Um, Pim, they say the biggest social media trend for 2019 is developing trust, authenticity and transparency. In an online world, um, how do you do this and how do you build and foster genuine relationships with stakeholders that you may never ever meet in person? I think I actually did my final assignment on trust and like how to develop trust within millennials. And it is about creating authenticity and like genuine relationships as well. And I think the best way for you to do that is to think about what your values and beliefs are. And even like when we meet with our clients or new clients, DG and I will like meet with them and then we'll sit in the car for about like five or ten minutes and just say does this align with our brand or we do we align with them and like are we able to get like the best outcome for them that that we like would like to otherwise it's not gonna it's not gonna be seamless and it's not gonna work if we are just doing it for the purpose for the fact that it's a new client so I think like even with social media trends and I think the best way to think about this 
and fostering relationships and being genuine is we look after an influencer at the moment and for some reason he's an ex-bachelor bachelor contestant but somehow we still get emails and requests about him all the time like ask him to do campaigns and it is because he is like authentic and genuine and like he he offers our clients that face time especially with media as well like they just love him and it aligns with us and I think if we ask Cam all the time like what like do you want to do this or do you not want to do this and like does it align with you and it just brings brings it back to your values I think and like whether you believe that you can offer either that brand or that client the service that they're after. And I guess creating that fit not only in terms of personality but also the visual is so important as well and, and we'll talk more about yeah how we actually translate that in, into practical um, terms. Pim, thank you. And finally, I'd love to welcome one of what I believe is Fremantle's greatest assets, the lovely Sarah Langley. Um, Sarah is Senior Account Manager at Detail Marketing Communications based on our beautiful High Street. Um, she's a qualified communications professional and has worked at the Fremantle-based public relations and marketing agency for the past 10 years. In this time, she's been responsible for planning and executing integrated PR campaigns, special events, digital and social media and creative solutions for a range of clients. She makes content look effortlessly elegant and her photos shine across all platforms. Often seen, camera in hand, enjoying fabulous food and wine, she's also a great source of information for local places to go and gather. Sarah, how important is quality content to build a social media following? Um, I think that quality content is absolutely everything in terms of social media. I think um, now, you know, people are just so discerning um, in terms of who they follow. I was actually listening to Triple J on the way in and um, they were talking about how people are being unfollowing um, so much easier at the moment. They look at someone and they just think, you know, why am I following this person? Um, and they just are culling um, so quickly. So I think that you really do need to stand out and every time, particularly as a brand, um, that you appear in someone's feed, they're going to be challenging why it is that they're choosing to essentially subscribe to you. Um, I think that, you know, for me with our clients, it's about, um, you know, having a consistent look and feel. I think that that's really important that flows through. A lot of our clients are quite visual. So I am um, talking about Instagram a little bit more at the moment than some of the other platforms. Um, but I think having that visual identity on the feed is incredibly important. Having said that, now um, stories and videos becoming so much more popular um, on social media platforms and that type of content is a lot more spontaneous um, and I think that people are responding very well to that. So going back to um, what Pim was talking about in terms of authenticity, people want to see a bit behind the scenes um, in terms of what you're doing with your brand. They don't want to feel like they're just being blatantly sold to. And if your content is too perfect and too curated, then I feel like they're not actually um, feeling like you're communicating with them on a more meaningful kind of level. So it's a tough one. It's kind of having that mix of having really beautiful content that's reflective of your brand, but still allowing for a little bit of spontaneity um, to shine through within that. Um, obviously, visual content is very important, but I guess it's also considering your captions and things and, and really putting a lot of thought into that. You'll see that some people, you know, obviously they've um, 
kind of not had a lot of inspiration when it comes to a certain post and they'll just post no comment or an emoji or something really kind of short. And I think that your followers, particularly as a brand, deserve more than that. I think that you need to tell a story um, and that again goes back to being authentic and actually communicating and starting a conversation um, with people. So, yeah. You made me smile when you talked about the the idea of coming behind the scenes because I have had a few shocks myself recently where you're suddenly following someone's feed and it's absolutely beautiful and then there's a video of them sitting in their lounge room talking and there's such a disconnect between that vision and that lounge room that sometimes I go, oh, I almost wish I hadn't seen that. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. So I think that balance is really important and uh, as you said, the stories and, and knowing what you want your customers to do do you just want them to follow you and like your pretty pictures or do you want them to take action or do you want them to join a conversation and comment and actually be thinking about what action you want them to take as you're generating that content because it can't just be a beautiful visual picture though that is often why people actually follow things so I think that's really really important um Sarah you mentioned that you're using a bit more of Instagram now over other platforms obviously constantly evolving feast um i might ask all of you just a bit of comment on platforms and channels because i think for the room it's probably one of the most difficult things is working out where you go and how regularly um and when you were putting the kalis campaign together it's obviously strikingly visual did you have an idea in mind of what channels you were going to push that out through and how did you make those decisions um Yes, so uh, firstly, I guess in terms of the channels, I guess each of the so social media channels have a different language attached to it. You know, Instagram's very visual. Um, it's about moments. Uh, Facebook, it's probably a little bit more long form. And then you've got LinkedIn, which is business orientated. So it's a much more of a business to business conversation that you may have on there. Um, in terms of the A Deeper Beauty campaign, yes, when we curated the final shots, we had decided on what was going to be above the line. So what's going to be used in billboards and in press advertising and in all of the other elements. Um, and then we knew what elements we were going to use for online and what other elements we could use, you know, for a website and all of that. So that is probably something that is decided quite early in the piece. With that particular campaign, as Sarah mentioned, storytelling is very important. Um, and that one, the, the Deeper Beauty campaign is all about the story. So it's, you know, dive boat to dinner. It's um, Kayla's jewellery for ever, every occasion um, and effortlessly so across the each of the mediums. So for us to deliver that... Um, yeah, we had thought about that in advance and it's definitely something I think that in terms of content and that imagery, you do need to think about that early in the early on in the piece to how they're all going to connect all your different channels together. We, I think we focus mainly on Instagram and Facebook and we also use EDMs, which we find very useful and EDMs are, people are still on emails at the end of the day, like I... I check my emails more than, in, like, that's the first thing I open. But then I have to remember some of my friends, the first thing they do is Instagram. So it's obviously back to the fact that, like, it depends purely on your client, on your brand and your target audience. So if we're trying to push, like, a gala event, we're not, we're probably going to have a more efficient effect probably through an EDM, like, who, those who are already, like, receiving your emails. And, um, but then if it's, creating content, then it is 
purely Instagram. And I do find that Instagram is the most spoken about social media platform, hands down. Like even with influencers, like they like influencers depend on Instagram and Instagram depend on influencers. And that's how they've grown. And it's such a powerful platform because it's visual and it's right there and you've got one sentence to just say like what it what this photo is about. And it's and it's enough for people to be like, either I really want to go buy that product because I saw her wear it or let's go here because it looked really fun on someone's story. And you've got to create content, I think, like you mentioned, for your, for Instagram stories as well, because it offers that swipe up feature, which is so important, especially when you're collaborating with influencers and there's brands approaching us about ours as well. So from my perspective, I have a lot of clients and straight away they're like, we need to be on all of these platforms. Do we need to be here? Do we need to be here? And I sort of say, you know, what is the purpose of, for you for being on social media? And, you know, what is it that you want to say and how do you want to use these channels? So I think it's very important to consider that um, up front and then choose the appropriate platforms. Um, beyond that, it also is a lot of resources and time that you need to put in to manage those. So I'd always recommend um, to have fewer channels, well, sorry, channels, platforms that you're on, but you manage it very, very well. I think if you spread yourself too thin, um, that can be a little bit problematic for a brand. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I think a lot of our clients, we do tend to similar to PIM, um, focus on Facebook and Instagram, but we do have other clients who are very heavy on LinkedIn for more business to business kind of communication. Um, so it really varies and I think that, you know, the key thing as well is don't sort of have all of these different channels and just duplicate the exact same content between them. I think it's important to use them properly so all of them are different. Um, obviously, there's always going to be some efficiencies with your content. You're going to want to get as much as you can out of it. So if you've done a beautiful shoot, of course, you're going to post it on all of your different platforms and, you know, tie it in with your e-newsletters and whatnot. But, you know... A big rookie error that I sometimes see is when people have set up their um, Instagram and Facebook to just share the same content and someone might have tagged in an Instagram handle but then it appears on Facebook and it doesn't link anywhere. So it's just thinking about how to get the most um, out of each channel. A few other platforms obviously have come and gone and knowing whether to dive into a newer platform or not is a big, I mean, I think we're talking about the staples here, which are crucially important. Um, if you're targeting perhaps professionals, as we said, you know, LinkedIn is a stable and it's used by most. If you're targeting, I guess, some of the younger generations that are more YouTube and sort of other forms, do you guys make those decisions for your clients or do you recommend they perhaps stick with the staples and continue to make the most out of those? I I not like say when it comes to videos on Facebook, we generally know and it's a rule of thumb that you've got about seven seconds and the first seven seconds to capture anyone's attention. Otherwise, you're done. So we try to make it as engaging as possible. So when a client says like, maybe we should go to YouTube, you've, you've got to think about why, like why, like if, if it's a product and you want to teach, it's a brand new product that you want to introduce to people, I could understand why you want to do a video because you're probably going to want to do a demonstration about how to use it, but in a creative way. So it, I think it comes back and ties to whether like you're going to get the outcomes you want from using something new. Like on Facebook, you can still share a video. So moving to YouTube, isn't necessary it's 
because you've already got your followers in that platform that exists. It's an interesting one. I, for, with our clients, we tend to focus on the staples, I suppose, but I think that something we're going to be seeing more and more of as people sort of fatigue with these platforms um, is smaller um, social media platforms rising and I think that the younger demographic are the ones who are picking up on these first. Um, obviously, Snapchat's been around for quite some time and that is very popular still um, with that sort of younger age group. But, you know, I've heard of one called TikTok that everyone's on and I'm not across it yet but I, I should be and need to be and that that's the thing is just always seeing what this next thing is that's coming up because I do think that there's going to be more sort of diverse options not that I think um, you know Facebook Instagram Twitter are going anywhere anytime soon but it's interesting just to watch what's happening and that younger demographic is where we're going to see those things being adopted first um, in terms of, I think, some fun things that you can do on the existing sort of platforms, um, stories, obviously, a huge video, exactly as you're saying, but also looking at, you know, for festivals um, with stories, there's lots of really interesting features that you can use that really seem to engage with that younger group, like GIFs and things like that. So putting a little kind of image um, or a visual stamp that represents your event that everyone there uses. Um, so there's lots of things that you can experiment with. Um, so I think it's always just trying new things. Absolutely. And with a house of uh, 12-year-olds in mind, TikTok and, and that homemade video maybe makes that jarring experience I have a little more, more palatable. So I think even if we're not using those platforms, they are influencing the way we're creating our own stories and, and those sorts of things, definitely. Um, Sarah, you mentioned the idea of gifts and, you know, even sharing like a little um, sort of tag or, or visual that people can share across them. I guess a big part of the social media question is we have to dedicate so many resources to managing it on a consistent basis, making sure we convert. And as the example I used earlier, you know, sometimes you can put a Facebook event up. Everybody says I'm going to be there because they just want to show their friends they're going to be there, but they don't actually show up at the end of the day or vice versa. You know, you can get flooded and things go viral and, and it makes a massive difference. Um, Shopify, a whole lot of new tools that can allow that conversion to happen um, within your Instagram platform, which gives, I guess, bricks and mortar stores a new opportunity to convert to sale. How do you find thinking through that strategy of I'm just putting an image or I'm telling a story up here but I want people to take action and how I get them to take action? Well, there's many elements to that question. Um, but I think what's really fantastic about it, I guess, is having a mix of traditional and digital media in order to secure, I guess, your events or your, your participation. Um, and the beauty of digital and social and your website is that you have data. You know who is engaging with your brand, you know what actions they're taking. Um, and I would say it's really important to capture, like focus on a handful of metrics. You know, you may want to look at clicks or engagement or, you know, there's so many, but focus on a handful of them and track those month to month. That will tell you a story of how your audiences are interacting with your brand. Um, it is important, of course, to have engagement on every image that you put up and every story that's put up. However, it's also important that down the track, when new people or new customers come to experience your brand, they often will go in and look at your grid. So that also has to have a story element to it. Um, and it's not, you know, for 
it's a Kalis at the moment. We're, we're rolling out, I suppose, the deeper beauty story and that emotive element of what we're the story we're telling is very important to our customers in a year's time or when they have a special occasion and they think, oh yeah, I actually really want that piece or I want to go in and experience that brand. So it's the element of two, the both of those coming together. So the data and the experience and I think that that probably will then transpire and just having a bit of a plan around that as well, how you're going to do that um, will allow you to then I guess, be more at ease across your channels as to what it is you're trying to achieve. I heard a presentation years ago by um, an old Kalis marketing manager who once said so much of their marketing campaign is, or your marketing band, I should say, is about not only inspiring people to buy, but allowing other people that see you wearing the piece to understand what that brand means. So there's that sort of dual, I guess, aspect to, to just building brand awareness of what your organisation does, as well as that conversion and, and getting that balance right is really important. Did either of you want to add anything just to that conversion and sales aspect? So I think another thing is when people are choosing to invest in having um, social media accounts for their brand, of course, they're going to be asking, you know, am I going to make sales through this? And while that is very important, everyone wants a return on investment, I think that it is also um, important to not oversimplify that process um, because the customer journey is not linear you know I think that before people decide to make a purchase there's so many different things that they come across many different touch points as we say so you know they might have heard a friend talking about it they might have seen an amazing billboard um, then they see you pop up on Instagram and then they might choose to make a purchase so I feel like you know while you can um, track a lot of the metrics and they're so important including now if you've got your Google Analytics set up properly you can track those direct conversions that have come through from Facebook or Instagram but I do think that sometimes it's it is hard to attribute exactly where that sales come from so just to be a little bit more open-minded about the value um, that your social media channels are providing you sometimes it's not that direct. I might hand over to the floor now if anyone has some burning questions of our panel before we start otherwise I'll be here talking all day. Uh, hello and thank you so much for um, presenting today. It's, uh, it's been, I've already written a handful of notes so that's excellent. Um, I run a short-term accommodation business and I've been running it for about 15, closer to 20 actually years. Um, before Airbnb came out, before Booking.com chose to uh, include um, individual operators and that sort of thing. Um, my website was getting a whole heap of stuff before uh, bookings what i mean um before those two platforms really started to uh, up their marketing um so as a result i needed to um diversify obviously add all of my properties onto all of those booking sites and things which is a huge cost factor because they will take commissions and da 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 da. Uh, coupled with that, the global financial crisis changed the way that people book accommodation. In that, whereas before there were a lot of forward bookings, now there there are limited forward bookings and mostly last minute. So, yeah, it's an interesting thing. But if you talk to any short-term rental operator, they'll tell you the same thing. There's a whole lot more last-minute things going on. So as a consequence of all of that, we um, upped our social media. So we are on um, Facebook and LinkedIn. 
uh, and YouTube because we like to show what our properties look like to the people who uh, come to our website. So we just simply link it across, which is then helpful for SEO. Um, my question regards to hashtags, um, which how to determine the best hashtag where you're going to get somebody who wants to book a property because obviously with a hashtag if somebody searches a hashtag for short-term accommodation all sorts of things will come up so we do things like short-term accommodation Fremantle short-term accommodation Maylands whatever um, and then holiday accommodation and change it up a little bit like that but do you have any tips on what to do with hashtags in order to get the best response? I might start by saying make sure you have a hashtag this is Fremantle because then it gets picked up on a variety. But Sarah, I might get you to start with that one. Very interesting question and hashtags are so important because obviously they essentially make your content searchable so you're getting more eyes on what you're doing. So I think every post you should include them which it sounds like you're doing and I think it sounds like you're on the right track as well to make them more specific because it's tempting to use a lot of the big hashtags um, which still sometimes you can test um, but a lot of the time you need to look at the top posts in that hashtag and look at the engagement. And if it's not similar to your own, you're probably going to get lost in that. Whereas if you're looking at those more specific hashtags and the top posts have an engagement that's similar to your account, you're going to get a lot more out of that. You're more likely to be featured. The people using that hashtag are going to look at what you're doing and they sound like they're a lot more relevant to your business so they're you know more likely to convert. I think it's worth doing a lot of research on those hashtags and also if you haven't already creating your own hashtag that you can promote in your um, sort of your own posts because then you're creating a community around your brand so guests who stay you know maybe then you can see the content they've posted and reshare that so there's sort of different ways that you can use hashtags um, another tip that I have with them is for your posts um, to sort of try not to have the hashtags up front so if you're using the optimal amount is probably 10 to 15 hashtags. You can use up to 30, but it can look a little bit spammy. So it's sort of choosing the right ones and maybe not having them right at the top of your comment to sort of pushing them down a little bit. So whether you use spacing or put it in your first comment, that's always a good idea. Um, and I think you need to use different hashtags as well. So a bit of trial and error. So don't just use the same ones on every post. And I think that some of the social media platforms do pick up on that and again think it's a bit of a spammy kind of account so I think um, have your main ones that you use but change it up try different ones see what the response is and I even um, save my hashtags in my notes so you don't have to type them out every time <laughs> and then you can start with that as a base and then tweak it as as necessary yeah I think same with very little comment but Sarah pretty much covered it all make it more specific but then also think about as a user or as someone who would want to stay in a short-term accommodation what you'd actually search like so if I was like I'm looking for short-term accommodation Margaret River I'd be like um southwest southwest accommodation and then usually you'll see like an abundance there but just think about yourself as the actual person who's about to search for your service um, just thinking through that whole searching process and the algorithm, I guess, that sits behind now 
all of our feeds that control what we see and when we see it. Um, in addition to hashtags, any tips around how you make sure that you are seen um, across the board and maybe um, a little bit more on measurement if you've got it? Um, well, for us, I mean, how it would be a case of association as well. So if we take your example with um, being in Fremantle, short-term accommodation, it's in your guests are coming, you know, there may be part of a wedding or they may have been to an event in Fremantle or that. It's curating your content as well, that the message, message that you're putting out there as well, showing people at these events or asking them to um, if you can use their content or asking them for Google reviews as well, which is really important um, from your SEO perspective. Um, but that kind of all feeds back into your hashtags, the dialogue around your brand. Uh, for us, I guess, in terms of how we curate that content, um, as a brand, you know, we've got many different products, I guess, within our actual collection ourselves. So you may have South Sea, Australian South Sea pearls, you have pearls in general, you've got Perth, you've got Sydney, you've got Melbourne, you've got gold, silver, white gold. Um, so it's making sure it's tailored to that particular post. So absolutely taking note of what it is, the image and the content and the words that you're putting out there and making sure, the, sure that those, the hashtags you use are very highly relevant because ultimately what you're trying to do is when somebody down the track is searching for an event, they want to look at that image and see that it is very relevant and then that's what's going to encourage them to click on that and then click through to your website and reach out to you directly, hopefully. I think the algorithm's an interesting beast um, since they changed it from being um, chronological order. It's all about engagement. So if your audience isn't liking and commenting on your posts, you're not going to show up. So I think that instead of worrying too much about how many followers you have, it's about the quality of following. So it's how can you, going back to quality content, how can you encourage people to, um, yeah, actually create a dialogue with your brand? So it's doing things like replying to comments, engaging with your followers so liking their photos um, using you know tagging people into your photos using locations kind of maximizing all of the features that are available to you um, because it is harder and harder to get that organic reach as a brand I think that um, that's why they're having to sort of pay for it now and Facebook and Instagram are doing things like removing the like count because it is harder and harder to get to get that engagement and then therefore brands are having to you know, do advertising in order to reach their following. So I think if you can actually have organic um, engagement with your followers, that is so powerful and important. And I guess also not forgetting the other mainstream media that feed in, you know, I know with um, Festival Fromage, just having um, the um, broadsheet, the um, urban list as soon as that comes out that ge just generates so much more traffic and feed through to what you're actually doing so not forgetting I think it's almost like being at a dinner party you don't want to be talking to one person that just talks about themselves all the time you actually have to engage and it is a conversation it's just a digital conversation and not forgetting that as much time needs to be spent not just pushing your messages out but looking at who else you should be commenting on who else you should be engaging with and and I guess that le also leads into that conversation around influencers. There was talk that influencers were over. We didn't have to worry about them anymore. It was no longer real. We just had to be ourselves. 
how much is our circle of friends slash influencers um, important? I think it's very important. I think influencer as we know it today is very different to an influencer as you would have known it, you know, two, three, four years ago. So the way I guess we would look at it is influencer can be anybody. It's somebody that's passionate about the brand, connected to the brand for a reason. And so with that in mind, it is about choosing the right person that knows your brand is has similar brand values or similar values across the board um, that can represent the brand from a long-term perspective not just a one-day element um, and it's very I mean we're getting delivered a lot of information and a lot of images around influencers at the moment so I think particularly in an area a place like Perth where there's it's limited um, you do have to be quite careful and ultimately it comes down to people that really do know the brand so you want somebody that's out there that can wear is for us that can wear a piece that can go absolutely this is Australian South Sea Pearl like you know and know about what they're wearing rather than just being like oh yeah this is from Hayless jewellery with no meaning behind it as to why you would purchase that or wear that over another piece of jewellery that you may have um, and essentially you know we find a lot of our customers are purchasing because for emotive reasons so it might be special occasion or and often that piece of jewellery has a story behind it and so that I think is important also. I do agree with it and I like influences now to three four years ago are completely different um, we have actually found that sometimes because we speak about micro influence and macro influences and we find that sometimes with micro they tend to be the more influential ones so we recently opened up or did the launch for a um, hip-hop gym in the cbd and we tested it out with um two like micro and macro and we found that the micro influencers who posted about their experience at the gym got people asking like sli like sliding into their dms but being like what is this like where like where like can we come and train like and it could just be because fitness is such a like it's so spoken about now that you have your own fitness routine so maybe your own followers or your friends or might want like might want to experience what it is because they find value like they find value in what you're doing or they connect with you better so i think back to what you're saying it has to be that that person that you're using as an influencer has to align with your brand. And I do believe friends like do have more of an influence than sometimes an influencer. So, and that's probably why it comes back to the fact that micro influencers are also influential as well. So people need to like, when you see like someone with 50K followers, it's not that they're gonna be great for your business. Sometimes the people with 7,000 or 8,000 followers going to, do a short-term stay they'll get like their friends and family will probably message them and be like where is this like I would love to stay there because it's more authentic and genuine and it's personal whereas if someone with 50,000 they're like you've been paid to do this kind of thing yeah 100% agree with Pim in the terms of considering micro influences I think that people are more and more discerning in terms of content and when they feel that they're being blatantly sold to and I think brands when they're blindly sort of using these top tier influencers who have massive followings but you know with no connection to the brand or anything like that people are really tired of it and I think that it's not the best use of your budget at all um, I think yeah strategy based around you know smaller people with a smaller following more highly engaged um, you'll get a lot more um, of a bang for your buck I think where um, 
some of this lack of trust is coming from is the removal of the light account on Instagram because from a marketer's perspective, it's now very hard to judge whether um, a top tier influencer is actually authentic. Um, in the past, we'd look at the number of likes one of their images would get and compare it to the following to give you a pretty quick understanding of whether they've bought followers or if their audience is engaged. So now that's really tough and that is a swing of power back to the social media platforms because they're wanting you to spend your dollars on advertising instead of engaging um, with influencers. So I think that now, you know, actually, which sometimes can be a bit uncomfortable, it'd be interesting to know your experience with this, but kind of needing to request people's analytics, like we need to find other ways to get an understanding. And the other thing is, I guess, unfortunately, just a bit of trial and error. So as a brand working with someone and seeing whether that does um, result in a good return for you and you know maybe deciding to further that relationship or, or not so that's kind of what we're trying to deal with as marketers at the moment and I think so many of all the conversations we've had today all the dots need to get connected and I think even as you're talking about influencers needing to be reflective of your brand and transparent and the the um, website needs to feed th through so you've got somewhere to go and you know I think last week's campaign um, Sarah even with the Republic of Fremantle where you had just such a guerrilla campaign to cut through all of that to actually um, tell a story in a really quick way um, before it, it got guerrillaed out of the city um, you know really um, interesting um, way to um, to engage and, and we can't forget the fact that whilst we do spend most of our time on our phones and on our computers and on our emails we also are walking about and experiencing things and, and particularly for a city like Fremantle where so much of our experience is about gathering and walking and experiencing what a city has to offer the stories we need to tell need to reflect that and the people that we tell those stories have to be those sorts of people that you can genuinely see loving and doing what it is that you're selling I feel like we've held the floor for way too long Simone do you have a question just there comments earlier what's your opinion on how many times a day you should actually post my 15 year old daughter is very opinionated on this matter <laughs> Um, you mean 102, Simone? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, she actually says once a day um, is more than enough. Um, and she's talking on that younger generation uh, Snapchat um, uh, sort of platform. What's your opinion? I think your daughter's onto it. I think once a day is actually really good. Um, look, it's hard. Again, it's a resources thing from a brand perspective. I think if, you know, you only can post three to four times a week, so every other day that's fine. Much less than that I wouldn't recommend. I think if you can, posting daily is ideal. But then now also we have stories. So, you know, you can do a lot more um, if you like. I think on the feed I wouldn't do much more than one a day. I do think I've seen somewhere that brands average like one and a half posts a day. So, again, it does depend on what the product is or whether it's your, you know, um, yeah, I guess what the brand is. Um, because some brands, I think, have great success with posting several times a day. But I think generally that can feel a little bit spammy for people. And also it's just a lot of work to manage that as well. But um, stories, I don't think there's too much of a limit. I think you really can do, do quite a lot there. Um, so more and more you're needing to create content for a lot of different um, channels within platforms. So... Yeah, I'm not sure if that answers your question, but she's she's pretty good. <laughs>
And again, I guess so much of that is resource availability and, and the quality of the content because there's no point in doing a post today if you actually haven't got anything to say. And I think thinking about what you actually have to say is really, really important um, as well. Um, next question, yeah. Hi. Um, I don't work for someone selling a brand but more I work for an architectural practice that's a long-standing business. Um, I've been asked to take care of this for them and I, I personally use social media and Instagram and everything and I'm you know, active in that, in that way but I wouldn't know how to start for a practice that's long-standing that uh, wants to start, that has a website <coughs> and that, has, that sort of uh, feeds on international reputa reputation. Um, I presume that LinkedIn's the best um, medium for professional use, but they're wanting to sort of bring out the pictures and the images of the architecture and the product itself. So I actually don't know how to start, particularly with something that has already exists. It already exists. It's not starting and it's not something that's smaller that can be posted every day. Um, so I just sort of would like some advice on where to... It's a wonderful question. I was actually just about, we've got a lot of professional services um, in the room and I think it is a very different story when you're relating to professional services. Um, Sarah, you obviously represent a number of different architectural practices, so you're probably a great person to start with that question. So I've got a few thoughts because straight away Instagram was coming to mind because architecture obviously being very visual and there's a great community of people on Instagram who really want to engage with architecture. It's pretty huge. So I think straight away you've got a wealth of resources in terms of existing projects and imagery around that. So a couple of things that came to mind, first is thinking of a content plan. So what are the types of things that you do want to share? And that will make it seem a bit less overwhelming because if you know straight away, you know, once a week, I'll share one of our archive projects, um, you know, then maybe you'll share a plan for something that you're working on. Um, you know, I don't tend to do a lot of construction images. I'm a little, I like to keep things a bit more editorial in style, but just thinking about the different things that you're doing as a business and breaking that into the different kind of um, content types will help. But also you're not on your own with social media. So I think going back to what um, you were saying earlier um, in that, you know, looking at the overall business and marketing plan and how you fit into that because social media reinforces what they're doing. So are they communicating something in particular to their you know, client base or other businesses and how can you reinforce that through what you're doing on social? So it's like if they have an e-newsletter that they do, how does that flow through to what you're doing on social? So I think you know that's another place to look for content is piggybacking off what's already happening within the business. Um, but I do think that architecture um, is very suited to those visual platforms and um, certainly worth exploring and it could actually be a lot of fun for you, I think, as well. Um, yeah, and last thing I'll say is a mix of using um, that existing content but also taking the opportunity to do site visits and take your own photos and show people some of these interesting details that architects see that other people may not be as aware of. I think there's certainly um, an opportunity to educate people on, you know, great design and, and show people part of that process. I was just going to quickly add to that as well. Um, I know it can seem quite overwhelming, but uh, there's a lot of apps and support out there in terms for Instagram in particular. So, you know, you'll find um, there's great podcasts, there's great um, dialogue around the various different types of apps that you can use to plan your content so visually you can see it in advance before you post anything you can 
work with your internal marketing team to see what they're doing in terms of their advertising, what is their awards coming up, use your staff as well internally. So, you know, take the opportunity to speak to everyone within the business and ask them to, this is what's happening, please like, share, comment, and, and use that then to cast the net out. And immediately you'll begin to get feedback and you'll be able to find your rhythm. And it also takes that pressure off because if you've got if you've got another role within the business and then you're asked to do the social media alongside it, it can take up a lot of time very quickly. So planning, using your time and social media is one of those things that your phone's always there and you can see it light up and you can see comments and you can see everything's immediate, you know, and that's 24 hours a day. But use time, you know, take an hour in the morning to review all of that and then a particular time of the week to plan everything, share it internally, and then also then that once it goes live, you know that it's all ready to go. And you've also got your internal stakeholders as well, sharing, liking, commenting. Um, so that'll give you immediate feedback. I think that point too about staff is so important, particularly in professional service businesses and even bricks and mortar. We're creating a community. I mean, that's really what you're doing is creating a little digital community that you're talking to on a regular basis. And if your staff aren't liking your stuff, if they're not sharing it, I mean, you just think about the flow on if your staff are active in the social media sense and appropriate social media. Clearly, you have to have guidelines internally. But I think about our hospitality venues, our professional services, you know, your staff have such a huge role to help create that community of conversation. Um, they've chosen to work with you for a reason. So also what they're interested in following and what they're interested in is really, really important. Lee, did you have a question as well earlier? Hi, guys. Um, from a small business uh, sense, at what stage, as I've been really bad, it's uh, I've not posted for a while, I, I better put a post out on social media, but at what stage do you sort of reach that business size where you, you can maybe engage in a, in a professional firm to help you with that? Where's that sort of return on investment, uh, the worthwhile, what business size? Um, I would say that if you're thinking about it and if you can't attribute time to it, that would be the time. I mean, you can engage with various loads of different types of agencies. There's one-man bands, there's people that will do quite you know elaborate um, digital plans for you. If it's not your expertise and it's important to your business, it is worth investing in. I think elements to consider when you are doing that is, um, you know, invest in it for a trial basis, but make sure that it's long enough to deliver results. You know, if you, even with SEO or if you're looking at, um, you know, Instagram or social as a whole, it can take, you know, three to six months to actually see some really strong results so you need to find that sweet spot that would be like okay well if i got x amount of customers off the back of this how much am i willing to invest um and start there and then you know and then i would certainly consider um hiring some expertise because i guess across my time um particularly even at seven west media we i did work with a lot of small businesses and i did see a lot of small businesses do really well with um with, I guess, engaging expertise in that digital space. And I know it can seem overwhelming because it's something that you feel sort of this guilt uh, as well because you're like, oh, I need to get everything done here and I should be doing this and I should be investing there. Um, but start small, step by step, trial it, analyze it, and then know whether it is something that works for your business. Yeah, so we've had many like couples or like start like opening a bar or a restaurant and they're like, 
they, they get so, I think, confused or just overwhelmed with all the support that, that's available out there, especially with agency, whether it's public relations support or social media or marketing. And I guess where we come in, because we're predominantly like a lifestyle agency, we specialise and like hospitality is our bread and butter. So we've had couples who've like, they've just, we're opening up a brewery. We've never opened up a venue before. We need your help. We need to make a splash. So all the elements will come into like social media, marketing, and also like PR, especially for opening a venue because there's so many popping up now. Like how, like how else would you hear about it if not through like sources like Urban List or Broadsheet, The West, Perth Now, like, and also of course like our influencers. So you see like them having coming in experiencing these like meals or drinks or these services or activities that places have an offer and you've I think for you you have to think whether what it is that you want to get out of this whether it's I want to build an online platform so people can start seeing what I'm doing like more visually online rather than through word of mouth because as good as word word of mouth is someone needs to have experienced it first so it's up to you I think whether you're like you've got to decide what what outcomes you'd want from the from engaging with an agency. And I think the other point that you've both made so clearly is the agency has to reflect what you do. So I think, you know, Lee, in the instance where we're looking at, you know, marine and engineering services and business to business sort of engagement, you know, you're probably needing an agency that is has probably more mainstream base, but also understands LinkedIn and a few other things. Whereas if you're in hospitality, you know, I think the people in the room are the sorts of people that you need to be having a chat to. Why maybe one more question from the floor. Thank you. Um, I just was considering with the architecture practice actually. Um, Pinterest is a place where I would go if I was looking at architecture. And also having had to set up a new account, something like the first step that I would do is look at the competitors and what they're doing. Um, there are lots of resources like you said and all of those things also, but for me the first step would be seeing what they're doing and the hashtags they're using as well. Um, but just wanted to ask, we are a um, HR consultancy, so um, professional services, a lot of the things that you talked about do relate to brands and um, events and products. Um, in terms of Pinterest, that's just something that we're investigating now, just getting started, and just wondered if you had anything to you know, add to that. Um, we haven't really talked about Pinterest at all. So I'm <laughs> just curious if you've got anything related to professional services. I think it's really important and I know from even like wedding industries and things like that, if you're not on Pinterest, you know, it's where people are gathering their boards, um, what to wear to the office, you know, those sorts of um, ideas are huge. So I will be really interested from the panel to hear on that. And I think you also raise a really important point about professional services that I'd love to the panel to talk about too is that idea of what story do you actually want to tell and what aspect of human resources or accounting, what sits behind, it's a bit like that Elizabeth Arden quote that I started with, you know, I don't sell cosmetics, I sell hope. You're not just selling human resources. People come to you from a, for a reason, why and what are they interested in because what are they interested in is a big part of that story. So creating the story and I guess the alternative platforms like Pinterest and those sorts of things. Um, yeah, Pinterest is great. It's it's definitely a an area which you can focus. Um, 
in terms of, I mean, I, I guess I'm tipping in here to digital experience, but it's excellent from an SEO perspective as well, like using um, Pinterest and YouTube to hold your images gives great digital signals back into your site. And then, of course, the performance of your site and where you're going to be positioned is is really important. But also from connecting with, I guess, the users of Pinterest. So like you said, those connect um, creating storyboards. Um, but I think it's important to find and it is very important to find obviously your niche within that area as well so yes looking at uh, what your competitors are doing but also how are you going to stand out from the crowd a little bit as well I'm glad you asked about Pinterest actually because I've had my eye on that and I'll be honest I'm not using it heavily for clients at the moment but I'm looking to it's definitely on the rise I think that um yeah there's a lot of industries that it's so relevant to and um one of my property clients that's quite a photographable project I actually noticed exactly what you said Edna with SEO um huge amount of traffic coming through from Pinterest, all we've done is just started a board and literally pinned some of the floor plans of different housing options and some images of some of the um, display home and that sort of thing. And it went absolutely crazy on Pinterest. So that's without doing a lot. I think once it sort of gets picked up by someone, you're getting a lot of eyeballs and it links back to your brand and your website. So I think it's really exciting. Um, and there's advertising options on there as well. So before it kind of takes off again too much, it's probably a very good time to jump on it, I think. So, yeah. I guess the other sort of alternate platforms we talked a little bit about is through EDMs as well. And I think for professional services, we cannot underestimate the importance of sharing knowledge, sharing data, sharing stories, sharing people's experiences um, with your brand because so much of the referral comes from people understanding or being curious about, I need to know about a particular HR issue or I've got a particular design problem, where do I go to solve that? Because that is why your customers are coming to you they're coming to you because they've got a problem and they need it solved so finding visual ways to tell that story and to demonstrate that I think is really important we've got one more question go for it so much I'm Tom from City of Fremantle comms um so we know that the key to Instagram is beautiful imagery and really relevant and original stuff too um but we can't dedicate a resource just to go take photographs um every week so I guess my question is, can you get away with taking great images on an iPhone or, or do you have to go back to getting the, the professional stuff done? Um, well, I would say, yes, you can get away with it. Um, I think what you need to consider when you are doing it is that it's you have to, it has to all link together. So you can use presets to tie everything, uh, all of your images together on your grid, which looks fantastic. For us as a brand, it is, you know, obviously photographing pearls, we do have to get high quality imagery done um, to really show off that piece itself. Um, the actual, it's very minute detail. So I think it comes down to the industry and what it is that you're actually promoting. So if it's broadly visual, absolutely. And it, it especially for stories, I think it's much more acceptable. Um, however, in your feed, it may be worth using like you know chartering a actual campaign and getting some proper content um in terms of professional photography that you feed in throughout um and i would recommend doing that like putting a plan together 
of exactly what you need to shoot, getting it all done at one time and then drip feeding it. Just because you have the images right there right now doesn't mean that you need to get them out as quickly as possible. So make your content last for um, a longer period. And, and I guess that would naturally, I mean, for us, it would be um, determined by seasonal changes or, you know, Christmas time, Mother's Day, all of that. So you've got various content that you're going to be pushing at, at, at particular times in the year. But yeah, I, w I mean, iPhones are pretty good right now. Um, so, but get a new iPhone, like <laughs> use the technology that's there. Yeah, for sure. I'll get Pim to have a chat about that as well. I agree with you. Having, creating content that has longevity is so important as well. But then you've got to also look at like user-generated Instagram accounts. Like Perth is okay. Like um, probably the most popular, it is WA's most popular hashtag and has grown astronomically like in the last two years. Um, like they've just used photos of people have taken on their phones and reposted it. So user-generated content is probably a prime example of why like it's still like absolutely acceptable to use phone photos. Um, and like say lifestyle bloggers. <laughs> they use photos that other people have posted and hashtagged as well. So they'll follow hashtags and then use the best photo that someone else has posted. And it's, yeah, user-generated content is so important. And I'm always amazed at even within your staff, there will be people who can take photos and there are people who are can't and you need to be ruthless. <laughs> um, you know what a good photo looks like. They're the photos you like. If your photo's blurry and it doesn't work, don't put it up there for the world to see. And if you're great at generating the story and the content and the strategy, that's fine. But if you've got a younger staff member that is, takes amazing shots because they've been on a camera since they were five, use their photos. You know, I think that's really, really important that the visual needs to tell your story and I guess that's a big part of what we're trying to say today as well. Um, on user-based content, you know, there's that whole debate around original versus thieving it, so to speak, from others. Um, a big part of the, the story is sharing because that's how we create conversations. Where's the balance between having original content and sharing content on your own pages? And then I think I really do have to finish up. Um, so it's a good question. I think that user-generated content does create a lot of engagement because people love seeing their own photos shared, obviously. But I think there's an etiquette. So obviously always crediting the source. There's nothing worse than when you recognise a photo or brand's posted and they've just sort of taken it as their own. Again, users are discerning. I think they can pick up on that. But then I do think it's um, so, so important to have original content because why are people following you? I think it works for um, some of the bigger accounts where they're curated sort of a certain theme so Perth is okay is like amazing obviously but as a brand why would you choose to follow a brand if all they're doing is repurposing other people's content so you do need to create um, some of your own content um, that's unique to you and then pepper that through with relevant user-generated content um, yeah that would be my approach I think like I agree with you like it's important to have both and say with of some of our clients when they've got we've got bars and restaurants and they've had people visit like guests it's so important to just like to if they want to repost and say thank you like Claire for coming in and like sharing your experience with us like that gives authenticity and like also like a genuine and personal um connect for your viewer just be like oh well, like they like 
they've shared that someone else has had a really nice experience here and yeah it's I think it's important to do a bit of both because then it makes you also it it gives that personal touch to your account as well because it's purely online I think it's a really really good point again to build a community and build a conversation and sharing what someone else has experienced is a fantastic way to do it and I think as businesses we also have a responsibility as you said, Sarah, to make sure we credit photos where credit's due. We have a responsibility. I, I know when we were in a fairly niche business, a number of startups were copying us and using our imagery to start their own businesses. You know, it doesn't sit comfortably with the community and Perth is too small to start doing things like that, I think, in many ways. And Fremantle's even smaller. Ladies and gents, we have held you here for a little bit longer than we intended, but what a great conversation. Thank you so, so much. Um, our gorgeous panel will stay around for a little bit longer, so please feel free to have a quick coffee and a little bit more to eat and um, ask any more questions. Thank you again so much for coming. Thank you.